Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Well, our topic today is Christmas, peace in the coming. The prophet, God's prophet, and peace. I remember Peter Maiden when he was the clinical director for our uh, Lifeline telephone counsellors. He was he once told about a, an art competition. This art competition was to depict peace, and you can imagine the scenes that would come to mind: lovely sunsets, beautiful forest glades, calm waters. But the painting that won the competition depicted a violent storm. And as you looked at this storm, your eye was kind of directed to a tree and then into the centre of that tree where in a branch there was a nest. And a mother mother bird had her, her wings out and her head buried into the wind, but under her wings were her chicks fast asleep. And on the bottom of the frame was one word, peace. Probably something like this, thanks Cecilia. And this peace is not a peace from circumstance. It's a peace from relationship. Nick spoke to us last week, great message about joy. I'm speaking about peace, but we're doing both in the midst of a storm. Merle and I had such plans for 2020. She had a a significant birthday in October. On the 19th of this month, we'll have been married 50 years. And uh, yeah, thank you. And, uh, and we, had, we talked to some friends who've been married 50 years. They had to have their golden wedding anniversary in COVID and, and lockdown with no family from overseas here. They just said to us, I just have two minutes silence and carry on. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> they got a great marriage and so do we. <laughs> just want to make that clear. But first our international plans were shut down and then our interstate plans were shut down and then our intrastate plans were shut down. So I thought we might go for a nice walk to the letterbox. <laughs> and... Uh, On Anzac Day, we did because that's all we were allowed to do. (laughs) Our plans were blown apart. There was a headline in yesterday's West. You might have seen it. Infamous SA, South Australia, Nick. Infamous SA COVIDiot breaks ISO again to go shopping. Last Christmas, that headline would have made no sense to us. Whoever heard this year, COVIDiot is one of the Macquarie Dictionary words of the year. And we know about ISO and we know about the Rona and we know about social distance. Who would have thought hand sanitizer would become a prized item? Or that people would fight in supermarket aisles over toilet paper? Or that this would be one of the most sold items, Christmas ornaments on Amazon? Thanks, Cecilia. Sanitizer, masks and toilet paper. Now, the verse is not part of the Christmas ornament. I just put that up there because I thought, wow, if this year has taught us anything, it's taught, taught us the truth of Proverbs 27.1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not, do not know what a day may bring. And the days of 2020 brought us Europe's capitals locked down and empty, mass graves in New York City, World Health Organization rates I checked yesterday, 69.5 million have contracted, uh, have contracted the virus, 1.58 million have died, the US death rate soared above 3,000 a day a couple of times last week. And there are many other storms. Imagine Lebanon dealing with covid and refugees who have nowhere to be and then having your city blown apart. 
Some of us worry about rain on a wedding day. Do you remember that bride when the, the, the explosion just literally blew the wedding photograph session apart? And, our, but so, so, and there are many other storms, the horrendous bushfires here. But in the midst of these storms, the prophet promises peace. Our reading today begins, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. It comes from Isaiah 9. Uh, um, Jer- uh, Jonathan used some of it in the call to worship this morning. From Isaiah 9, if you have your Bible with you or you've got it on your phone or in, in print, we've got it on the screen as well. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and have increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire." For to us a child is born, the words that Jonathan read. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thanks, Trish. Amen indeed. You notice it says he humbled the land. And our land has been humbled. It's been too long since 1918. We'd forgotten one little bug can shut down your world. Lifeline uh, had, uh, I heard the Lifeline, I was at a Lifeline function last week and Lorna, the CEO, said their calls went up 40% during our lockdown. An Australian survey of 5,070 adults recently found nearly half were worried about loneliness, financial troubles and uncertainty. 62% had increased depression, 64% had increased stress. And the prophet says he will honour Galilee. That may not seem particularly significant to you, but Matthew actually explains to us exactly how that happened. In Matthew 4, he says that Jesus went and lived in Capernaum. He left Nazareth and went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And then he quotes the words we've just read. Now, the Gospels reveal how Galilee was seen in Jesus' day. (laughs) Not well. Do you remember when uh, Philip comes to Nathaniel and says, I think we found the Messiah? And Nathaniel says, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? And when Nicodemus stands up for Jesus, the other chief priests and Pharisees say to him, are you from Galilee too? Check it out. See, no prophet comes out of Galilee. See, the people from Galilee were the deep north for the people in Jerusalem and Judah. They, had, they were up there in the north and they had this strange accent. It's kind of like those Australians who have a very broad Australian accent and it seems to take them an incredibly long period of time to get from the start of their sentence to the end of it. And that Australian could be a nuclear physicist but you're going to decide he's a complete dill just because of how he sounds. Isn't it magnificent that the Son of God identified with the Galileans? 
He was Jesus of Nazareth. It wasn't Jesus of the A-listers, Jesus of Nazareth. And Galilee had been humbled. They were the first to be invaded. They first felt those warriors' boots we read about. And where did Jesus do his first miracle? Cana of Galilee. And many, many more of his miracles in Galilee. The people in this prophecy experience explosive joy, the sort of joy you have when you have a bumper harvest and some foreign government doesn't stick a tariff on it so you can't sell it. Or when the warriors divide the spoils. Wonderful joy because God has shattered the yoke that burdens them. And he shatters this yoke as in the day of Midian. What's that mean? Well, do you remember Midian was the... The vast army of Midian was defeated by Gideon with his few little troops that God left him with. But when God says to Gideon, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand, am not I sending you? And Gideon says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. When Samuel anoints Saul, he says, Saul responds, hang on, am I, am I not a Benjamite? I'm from the smallest tribe in Israel and my clan is the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. When David, when Samuel comes to Jesse and says, I'm now going to anoint your, the next king of Israel, show me your sons, line them up, David doesn't even make the cut because he's the kid. He's out doing the dog's job with the sheep. Last week, Nick took us through that story, those terrified shepherds who were given the good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. A saviour born to you, shepherds. And you remember Nick reminded us the shepherds were at the bottom of the heap. They were notorious. They weren't allowed to testify in court because their word couldn't be relied on. And yet God chose them to be his first witnesses. A Samaritan woman had to go to the well on her own. The other women didn't, obviously didn't want to be with her. She had the wrong gender. She was a Samaritan, wrong race. I mean, wrong gender in a broken culture. Wrong race, wrong past. That's why she was on her own. She meets Jesus and then hurries back to those same villages to tell them about the one who was waiting for her at the well. Jesus often said to his disciples, Oh, you little faiths. Little faiths. And yet one day he said, I have not, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. But he's talking about a Roman centurion, the hated invading army. And this Roman centurion's worried about his servant who was at home paralysed and in great suffering. When Jesus says, well, I'll come and heal him, the Roman says, Lord. Isn't that interesting? A Roman centurion calling a Galilean carpenter, Lord. Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. I have authority. I tell my soldiers what to do. They do it. I see your authority. You just speak the word. My servant will be healed. A Roman centurion. Paul says God deliberately chose men and women the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses. So this morning, no matter how insignificant you feel, no matter how invisible you feel, no matter how insignificant you think you are in your own eyes or somebody else's, no matter what your past, he's here. And he says, look, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. 
I remember a young woman some many years ago, Merle and I's first speaking trip, and uh, we went to the East Coast, and I spoke at a, at a particular meeting, and then afterwards, the next day, I was feeling kind of uncomfortable and, and took my shirt off, and I had welts all over my back, so we went off to emergency, and they, didn't, they thought it might be an allergic reaction, I'm not sure what it was. So I had some medication and I rested because I was meant to speak at a big combined youth camp and in the end really went to the camp by faith as much as anything and quite remarkably was, was fine when it was time to speak. At the end of that meeting, this young lass came up and I'll never forget her eyes, they're like two black coals and she said, I'm in a coven and I heard you speak the other night and you said some terrible things about my master. So I tried to cast a spell on you but it clearly didn't work. So your master must be more strong than mine. Well, actually, inside I thought, well, I think you did better than you thought, actually. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> then I called the pastor and the elders because I, I was only a kid. And we talked to this lass and then she, she prayed with us. And then she vanished. I didn't see her again. Just before we left, there was a final meeting and this girl bounced up. Her face was clear. Her eyes were sparkling. And she came up to request a particular song. But I said to her, what happened to you at the youth camp? And she said, well, after you guys prayed, I went out to the hillside. It was a beautiful setting in the New, New South Wales mountains. And she said, I just sat on the hillside and I spent time with him. And I cried and cried and cried and cried and I went home healed. And her favourite song that she wanted to sing was, My soul has escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and I've escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Fantastic. See, today we may not have the physical yoke that the prophecy talks about or the bar across the shoulders or the physical rod of the oppressor, but there are yokes in this room and there are weights I love that Brennan Manning image of people with all of their stuff in a suitcase, nervously shifting it from one hand to the other. And I know the rod that beats me, and often I'm the one swinging it. We don't have physical war in this country, but what war's raging in you, right inside, deep inside? I remember a poem by a young kid who was a heroin addict in the days when we worked with homeless kids and it started like this. Don't be fooled by me. Don't be fooled by the mask I wear. I wear a thousand glittering masks. Not one of them is me. At that level, what's the war? What's raging? Deep inside, can you say, oh, thank you, God, I have peace? Or this morning are you saying, oh, God, I need peace? I need peace. If you need peace, thanks, Cecilia, to us a child is born, a son is given. Well, who's us? Us is anyone who's, who knows how desperately they need him. Anyone who knows how desperately they need him and sufficiently aware that they can't do anything themselves, so they cry out to him. And if you cry out to him like the Samaritan and the Roman centurion and all those others, you find you don't need to hide. You don't need to hide because to us a child is born. A child is born on earth to Mary. That little, that almighty God is that little baby in Mary's arms. It's mind-boggling, but it's true. 
He knew what it was to be utterly dependent on human parents for love and comfort and succor and protection. You see, he came this way so we would know he was fully human and he understands our journey. He knew what it was to look to his friends in his deepest hour of trial, beg for their support and have them fall asleep and then run away and desert him. He suffered massive injustice. His trial was a mockery. He understands that. No matter what your situation, he understands. The book of Hebrews says he understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do Yet he did not sin. He stayed that matchless, pure, spotless God. And he was God because not only was a child born, a son was given, a child born on earth, a son given from heaven. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to condemn it but to save it. Born to you this day a saviour who is Christ the Lord. And why is he saviour? Why can he be saviour? Why could he shatter that young girl's yoke and free her from the wreckage of her life up to that point? Well, because he is wonderful counsellor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The scholars debate, is that four titles? Is it five? I love the Jewish scholars. They run it all into one. Wonderful in counsel is mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But this peace comes from relationship, not circumstance. Remember the mother bird. Why could young David face Goliath with peace when the adult army of Israel was paralysed with fear? Because God made sure he was the youngest kid in the family. And as the youngest kid, I was youngest, he got all the rotten jobs. And he got the dog's job of looking after the sheep. He didn't even make the line up to see if he could be king. And, but out there with the sheep, he learned the God who could deliver him from a bear and a lion could, could deliver this guy who was defying this God. There he learned the Lord was his shepherd. And he learned what that young girl discovered, that this shepherd, it says in Isaiah 40, gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart and he gently leads those who have young. So later he wrote a song. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body also will rest secure. I checked out Michael Yu's Word in Season this week on our YouTube channel. It's, if you haven't, please do. It's really great. But he, in it, he points out that the moon looks beautiful but has no light of its own. It's just reflecting the light of the sun. And David's glad heart and his physical rest and his harmony reflects peace, but the peace is coming from the S-O-N, the Son, the one who is peace, Sah Shalom, the Prince of Peace. You see, peace may be reflected in those wonderful feelings and things, blessings, but peace is a person. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. I, I used to love studying the word shalom, the Hebrew word, because there's so much. If, if you check it out with one of the Greek concordances or Peter Christophides, our walking Greek concordance, although this is Hebrew, so that's not going to help much, is it? Um, he, uh, you um, don't go to a Greek concordance, so it won't help you at all. I was at the 90th birthday too last night, you can tell, can't you? 
But if you go to the Hebrew of the word, then uh, find your nearest friendly, Greek, uh, friendly Jew. Then you find the word means complete, whole, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfection, fullness, rest, harmony, no agitation. And I used to think that was like disembodied good things. And I think, wow, I'd love some of that. What I should have been saying is, I would love to know you better, Lord. Shalom is all those things because shalom is Jesus. Shalom is knowing him. Shalom is knowing the prince of peace. In fact, as you can see on the screen, Ephesians 2 tells us, he is our peace. He is our peace. And the peace comes to those like David who always keep their eyes on him. And that's because the government really is on his shoulders The government will be on his shoulders. You see, I have to decide how my life is going to be governed. What's going to be the sat-nav of my day-to-day decisions? And the scripture's clear. Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Well, that happens when Christ, who is peace, rules by the Holy Spirit. Peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, of course. But when Christ, who is peace, rules in my heart, Because of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. His government and his peace go together. You notice the yoke on the screen? I'm in one side of that yoke. You're in one side. We get to choose who we're yoked to. But we've got to be yoked to someone. I can be yoked to to the oppressor who beats me with a rod, although mostly I do the swing the rod myself. Or I can hear the one who says, are you weary? Are you burdened? Come to me. If you're tired from carrying loads, take my yoke. I fashioned it just for you. I used to be a carpenter. I make good yokes. Take my yoke. My yoke's easy. My burden is light. 2020 has brought storms for Merle and for me. We've been challenged on so many levels. I spoke to one of our lovely people this morning whose sister passed away this week and he had to attend her funeral at midnight. This was in Canada, so same as when we have to talk to our kids. And he had to do it on Zoom. And he was saying, what a a far from perfect experience that is. And I discovered it's so different when your children are overseas but you can go and see them and you can't go to them nor they come to you no matter why. But in many other areas, it's almost like the Lord knows areas where both Merle and I, they're different for each of us, find it hardest to trust him. And he's been stretching us this year in those areas. And when a storm strikes me, my default is to focus on the storm. So anxiety, images of awful things, fears race around in my mind. They turn over and over. I analyse, I reanalyse. It's so sad. I'm pitifully limited in perspective compared to the one who is wonderful counsellor. I'm utterly bereft of power compared to the one who is mighty God and yet I wrestle with the issue as though I can do something about it. I might not be the only one in the room. But, you know, this year when I've caught myself doing this, I've almost literally picked it up and turned and thrown it like throwing a blanket, thrown it over at the Lord which is exactly what the scripture tells me to do. Cast, your, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. How it, 
when you discover how deeply he cares for you, it is transforming. He knows how many hairs on your head. Some of the guys in the room, it's far easier for him than others. (laughs) But he still knows the exact number and the rate of decrease. (laughs) Every one of your tears he has. Scripture teaches that. You don't cry one tear he doesn't catch. He cares for you deeply. I've discovered the truth of that beautiful old hymn. When we've exhausted, oh, by the way, a hymn written by a woman with incredible challenge in her life. When we, lo- when we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day's half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's forgiving has only begun. For His love has no limit, his grace has no measure, his power no boundary known to men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he gives and he gives and he gives again. The words of Psalm 91, talking about mother birds, surely he will save you like that young girl from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He'll cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. What's my shield? What's my security? It's not my effort. It's his faithfulness. See, my doing well spiritually, if I'm feeling that way, it's quite dangerous. And it certainly does not bring me peace. And my failure can't lock me out from God's peace. I can only be locked out from God's peace if I lock out Jesus. When Luke comes to Isaiah's prophecy, he puts it this way. Because of the tender mercy of our God, he cares for you. By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. So this morning, are you looking at the situation or Jesus? Are you under his wings or up on the edge of the nest checking out the storm? Which path are your feet on? I just sense God wants, if the worship team could return, I believe God just wants to present you with himself, with Jesus, who is your peace. David said, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. That young girl said, I just went and spent time with him. So could you pray with me? Maybe you came this morning. Well, who knows why you came? Keep somebody happy. Last minute decision. But what if the one that loves you more deeply than you can imagine has called you here this morning? to meet you for the first time and to say, take my yoke, I am peace. Don't try to nut it out, I'm wonderful in counsel. Don't try to fight it, I'm almighty God. Maybe for some others you thought, well, it's another Sunday, I go to church like I always do. But this is not like you always do. This Sunday, Jesus 
stands with his arms out before you saying, take my yoke. Saying to you what he said to his disciples after his resurrection, peace, shalom to you. Why not let him pick you up, carry you close to his heart? So look at Jesus, who is our shepherd and our rock and our fortress and our king. Jesus, who is peace and light and love and healing and forgiveness. Jesus, who is our redemption. Jesus, who is the one who was and is and is to come. Jesus, who said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus, who has the name which is above every name. Jesus, who took all the charges against you, nailed them to his cross, and then, as he said, finished, that set of charges against you was stamped, paid in full. And the tyrant, the oppressor knows God has clearly remembered forgetting them. I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment and we're going to sing the part of the carol we, we sang earlier. Come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him. So Lord Jesus, I just pray as we sing this song, as your people are here in your presence, You'll take these words of mine and blow away everything that's not to your purpose. But Lord, would you shatter yokes as we stand and sing. May we leave different, healed, more like you. Let's stand together. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.